Hey, what up, Long Beach? Coming to you live via tape delay from an undisclosed location. It is time for the Long Beach High School Football Preview. We're talking about everything local pigskin on this episode of the podcast. That's obviously part of our partnership with the Long Beach Post. And it's always brought to you by the 562.org. I am JJ Fiddler. I'm Mike Gardabasio. I'm Tyler Hendrickson. And our partnership with the Long Beach Post is not just sports coverage. It also includes education coverage. And with the school year just around the corner, there's obviously going to be a ton to talk about in terms of back to school. Oh, there's quite a bit indeed, Mike. Uh, also, just want to make sure everyone knows the 562.org is a nonprofit news outlet. We only operate and survive because of the support of our readers. So if, if you're a longtime viewer of our videos or you read our stories, listen to our podcasts, and you're wondering, hey, how can I help the 562 uh, stay around and stay in business? Head to our website, the562.org. Click on the support the 562 tab. There's plenty of ways that you can get involved. The best way is to become a Patreon subscriber to give recurring donations every month. Any donation made to the 562 because we are a 501c3 nonprofit is tax deductible. We are so grateful to all of our supporters, our donors, our sponsors, everyone that helps keep the 562 running in business. And guys, we are very excited for this school year, and it's fitting that we get to start with football. It's going to be fun. It's also the first time we've all been in the same room recording a podcast since... February of 2020. Yikes, but <laughs> Yeah, so we're, we're very excited to be back in the swing of things. We've got our laptops open. We're sitting around a uh, oblong table, so it is an oblong table talk about local football. <laughs> we're cutting the videos. We're putting the photo galleries together. We've got the schedule all set up, ready to know where we are going to be every Thursday, Friday, Saturday, covering local football. It is just around the corner next week, first game. So this weekend, you listen to this podcast, go to the562.org right now, full comprehensive previews of all of the Long Beach football teams, the entire Moore League, as well as St. Anthony. I mean, it, it is football season because lately, going around the television a little bit, you know, in the afternoon, whatever, there's football movies on all the time. I think I saw in its entirety, Remember the Titans? Twice within the last two weeks, and I don't even own that movie. It's been it's been a lot of football movies. It's also been preseason NFL footballs back. The Hall of Fame game just happened. The Hall of Fame speeches just happened. Calvin Johnson saying that he hoped his enemy from before the draft was he had been praying for them to still be alive so that they could see him go into the Hall of Fame. That's happening. All kinds of great stuff. <laughs> JJ, you mentioned Remember the Titans. That's got to be one of the best sports or specifically football movies that you could watch to get hyped for the season. Obviously, Friday Night Lights makes a lot of sense. What are some of the other movies that you would recommend to get you in the spirit as we're about to start covering football games? Fr Friday Night Lights is a good one. I think I, I think I would go with Remember the Titans because it is training camp. That's To me, that's the best part of the movie is when they get on those buses, he makes them come off, and he makes them get back on offense, defense. But I think I've got to go Rudy. Because my favorite part in any football movie is when Rudy is just getting his butt kicked in practice as a practice squad player and they're playing that old Notre Dame fight song but it's like sung by some men's choir somewhere <laughs> in like an echoey chapel. I, that stuff, I'm getting goosebumps right now just thinking about that scene. Something tells me that one of our uh, more league football coaches may also pick <laughs> Rudy as a good choice but we can get more of that later with the Golden Domers. That's a good one. That's a good one. Yeah, we, I, we are coming into this football season so hungry for football only because we got a taste of it in the spring. Great that those seniors of 2021 got that season, 
fantastic, but it didn't feel right. You know what I mean? We had a lot of things moving. Not everybody got to play games. People were playing the same teams back-to-back -back weeks. It was just odd. So now we get back to this season where we're hoping that it's quote-unquote regular, but I think before we get into each team and talk a little bit about the personnel or what we saw when we went out to those practices, I think it's really important that we need to remind everybody to like manage their expectations. You know what I mean? There will be games canceled. We already had one. Lakewood was going to play St. Anthony in the first week, and they weren't able to because Lakewood had to shut down their practice for two weeks because of a positive COVID test on campus. Not even in the football team, just on campus in summer school, so they had to shut down the campus for two weeks. So manage your expectations and just enjoy what we get because we might not get every team playing 10 games. Some teams might not even be able to play their whole season. But when it's Friday or Thursday or Saturday and the lights are on and the boys are out there, we are going to be out there covering football and just follow our lead because we're going to be enjoying every single second we get. I think it's important to not just set your expectations, but also try and take yourself back to March and April of uh, when the pandemic started and you were being really kind to people at grocery stores, <laughs> and you hadn't hopefully, been yeah, hopefully, right. right. You hadn't been 18 months in this pandemic and sick of it and angry about everything. Let's all try and take right before the high school sports season gets going next week here a deep breath and remember we're lucky that we get to do this, you know, professionally or as a parent, whatever it is. Um, but we know that it can all disappear, and so appreciate what you have. I mean, understand there's challenges in every regard. There's a referee shortage right now that's moved some of the local games to Thursdays. Like, this stuff really could disappear, and it's important that we appreciate it and that we're thankful to the people that are making it happen. Well, and, and <laughs> maybe we should give a quick plug. If you're a recent uh, grad of, of a Long Beach high school and you're looking for uh, a little extra money, maybe become an official. You know, we certainly could use more Long Beach guys <laughs> as officials. So if that's a, and gals as well, obviously. So if there's interest in that, you know, kind of a plug to get out there and do that because the need is certainly there. But yeah, that, I mean, it's a great point that you guys are making. It's as much as we wanted and we're hoping that, hey, we're going to get a regular year we know that it's just not going to be fully regular. There's going to be challenges. There's going to be scheduling changes. There's going to be tests and protocols and all these other things that we are collectively sick of. I think that's the one thing we can agree on. We're sick of it. But there's a postseason plan. We didn't have that in the spring. You know what I mean? And so it's very likely that we're going to play for a championship and we're, we are going to get football games. So let's, like you said, JJ, let's focus on the positives, be happy, and just roll with the punches and we're going to be out there covering as many games as humanly possible. That's a great point and a great transition, Tyler, because the playoff experience will be different as this whole season will probably feel a little bit different even though we're getting back to normal. They will not have playoff divisions decided as the season starts. So it's not going to be based on what you did in recent years before you play this year. It's going to be based on what you did in recent years and this year so that teams that maybe you didn't see coming or teams that got transfers and didn't get moved divisions because of those transfers. That stuff is going to be decided by the CIF Southern Section with all of the criteria that's been built up over the years after their playoff equity move, moving teams to divisions where they feel more comfortable, more competitive, and not just basing things off of the uh, off of the attendance or the population of each school. So when this year is over, when we are winding down the season, we are going to then know where the Moore League and St. Anthony are going to play. Their playoff, their playoff games. So if you're looking at a poly, for example, those first few games of the year before they get into the Moore League could end up deciding which division they're in because it's not going to be decided before they play a Sarah or a Mission Viejo 
or Cardinal Centennial. If I could give a thumbnail history of these playoff divisions, because it, it is a big change. It used to be, as JJ said, if your school had 4,000 kids, you're in Division One. And then they realized, okay, well, and actually they looked at the Moore League. You have some schools that are larger schools, but where a school like St. John Bosco with 1,500 students field a better football team. So why not have the quality of the football team determine what division you're in? When they put that in, the competitive equity format a few years ago, it was going off the previous two or three years' data, but it would happen before the season that you would lock those divisions in. This is, to me, just the natural progression of that format to going – Let's do that, but let's decide it based on how good the football teams currently are as opposed to how good they were the last two years. So Long Beach Poly quite literally in those games against Mission Viejo and Corona Centennial playing to determine whether they're going to be in the Division One or Division Two uh, playoffs this year. And that's true for every single team in the Moore League and every single team in the Southern Section. You are going to chart your own course here. You still need your league placement to determine whether you're getting into the playoffs or not, but then your record and the quality of your opponent is going to determine what division you go into because their goal is that we won't have first round blowouts in every single <laughs> you know bracket that's what the CIF is going for well and, and it makes a lot of sense and we've we've seen it work and we just covered some very competitive playoff brackets i think the best example of okay you're you're in a different division let's look at Millican baseball they were in division 3 the rest of the more league was in division 2 the rams certainly a talented team won a ton of games had a great regular season ended up as the third seed out of the Moore League. They end up winning a championship because they're in a, you know, a, a bracket that they were much more competitive in. So we could have you know, Moore League playoff. We could have four Moore League playoff football teams all in different divisions. You know, And, and we just, in the formula, we have kind of an idea based on how previous years have gone, but it will come down to those non-league schedules, what kind of wins that you get. But really, the quality of the Moore League as a whole, compared to the Trinity League, the Sunset League, will probably be a, a little bit, you know, impacted. It'll be lower. So uh, we could be setting up for some real playoff success, especially because we have a lot of talent around the city. It's just a, a whole new world not having playoffs last year and then trying out this new format. But obviously, we'll be on top of it and, and trying to give you guys as many updates as we can about the projections and where we think teams are going to be. We had our staff party at Naples Rib Company, uh, our preseason staff party that we were hoping becomes an annual tradition. We had a great time in the back room at Naples Rib Company, and it was just kind of a friends and family of all of our staff and our nonprofit board getting together to kind of toast each other. Um, I would like to now welcome on a special guest to the podcast, my son, Vincent Garbasio. Vincent, say hello. Hi. So Vincent, you came with us to Naples Rib Company. What was your favorite thing to eat when we were there? Um, I liked the, um, I liked the, the popsicle for the desserts. <laughs> and the, um, and the cornbread. Oh, you do love the cornbread. That's, That's basically true. all I had, though. That's it, yeah. Well, because you will eat, basically, you would eat the entire pan's worth of cornbread. You love cornbread, huh? Yeah. Okay. So do you think, uh, do you think the people who listen to the podcast should go to Naples Roof Company? Mm-hmm. Do you think they should tell them that the 562 sent them? Yeah. Sounds good. Thanks, buddy. <laughs> so let's dive right into it. You know where we're starting. They've been the best high school football team in the city for many, many years. They are the Long Beach Poly Jackrabbits, and they are deep once again. I think JJ challenged us to come up with a sentence to kind of sum up the team. And if you, you read our previews, which, you know, they're going to be up on Friday, you can, you can, I, I dove into this de- in a really deep way with head coach Stephen Barbie's thought about this. But here's my statement Long Beach Poly's back. 
I, I mean, this was a question that at the end of their spring season, every, everyone was asking us this. Wilson fans were asking us, um, people who coached in Long Beach 10 years ago who haven't been back since asked us this. Um, I think this is the best poly football team we have seen since 2012 when they won the Division I championship. The landscape around the southern section is different than it was then. Modern day looks a lot different than they did in 2012. Um, St. John Bosco has obviously reached a national championship perennial contender status. But this poly team is deep. They have Division I prospects, two and three deep at basically every position. Um, and they're loaded in the lower levels too. So I think we're looking at a program that has finally built back from uh, when Stephen Barbie took it over, there were three Polynesian kids in the program. There are 45 Polynesian kids in the program today. Um, everything that you sort of used to associate with Poly, you're starting to really see it come back. Um, and I think that this will be a, a really, really fun team for the whole city to get to enjoy. Well, and, and Polly was un, unbeaten in the spring. Obviously, it was a very different year. Um, but they did have that thrilling win over Sarah. And, and we're such a tight-knit group, you know? And they had, like, so many people and, and teams in the area had adversity to overcome. I mean, Polly had probably more than their fair share. Um, but but it was there was so much chemistry on the team. And now when you grow from that and then add on so much talent, more experience... You know the the coaching staff being together longer. Uh, you know it just it feels like the the necessary steps have been filled in on that ladder, and now we just get to gauge how how tall is that ladder. You know how much has Polly caught up to the elite teams in Southern California, which obviously are the elite teams in the country. And we're going to get a chance to see that with those games against Mission Viejo and Corona Centennial, um, as we mentioned. But let me put it like this. At the end of the spring season, they're 4-0. Greg Biggins, uh, our guy, a national recruiting analyst, but also uh, Fox Sports' color commentator for the games they're broadcasting. Um, they're doing two of Polly's games this year, the ones I just mentioned. Greg said he thought Polly was the best public school program in the state of California. Since he said that, they have added Darius Curry, one of the top sophomores in the country in the sophomore class, um, one of the top sophomore quarterbacks in the country. They've added Dylan Williams, one of the top sophomore linebackers in the country. They have added Simeon Williams, a, a receiver and DB with Arizona State offers. Um, they have added talent at every position, <laughs> you know, and what we love is a lot of these guys are Long Beach guys coming home, you know, who grew up in Long Beach, went to LBUSD middle schools, and then went to a private school, you know, a St. Bernard's or, you know, a Trinity League school out of the city who are now coming back home to play for Poly. And I, I think that's as encouraging as anything else we could read to you about their roster. And Stephen Barbie just hugging them like the prodigal son coming home. <laughs> like, it's okay, boys. We're always here. Yeah. <laughs> Open arms, right? Always to have, have Long Beach kids come home. And I think we'll see if there's a sea change there, you know, because the, obviously the private schools have been running stuff. You know, the Trinity League schools have been pulling in a lot of kids from a lot of different places. And, you know, our kids starting to lean back towards their neighborhood schools, you know, playing where they grew up. Um, and, and, and we'll see how that how that trend kind of plays out. But certainly for Polly, like you said, Mike, a lot of Long Beach kids coming home to, to play for the Jackrabbits. They look deep. They look... Like they have top end talent, they are they have a great senior class, they have a tremendous sophomore class. 
Um, there's position battles. You know, it's you can't just show up and know that you're the starter, you know, and I think that's what really makes a great program, and that's how it was back in the day when, you know, the sixth-string DB that didn't even get to start would get D1 offers off practice film. You know what I mean? That's how it used to be over at 1600, and it, it could be that way again. We know that we're going to be, you know, <laughs> fighting elbows with college coaches when we're going out to practices because I think those sidelines are going to start to fill up. Sidelines filling up. Hopefully the win column filling up for Polly as well. They'll be able to make a return to that Division One bracket. But like we said at the top of the show, you're going to have to wait and find out. And those games early in the season are going to mean a lot late in the season. Now, we've been waiting for years, it feels like, for a second team in the Moore League. When Mike and I first started covering high school football here in Long Beach, it was Long Beach Polly and Lakewood. It was the Long Beach, it was the Moore League Super Bowl at Veterans Memorial Stadium every year. And uh, now it's not like that. But well, if you let, were to, let me, let, if, and, and let, me, let me jump in there just really quickly because this is no disrespect to the team, like to the Wilson football program that had come up. But when we first started covering sports, they were two of the top four teams in Southern California right. were in the Moore League. <laughs> this was Bosco and Modern Day were both in the Moore League when we first started covering. It was Polly versus Lakewood in the Division One semifinals. Yes. That's a real thing. Polly Lakewood D1 semis for you people who are just now getting into local football. Uh, but if you were to point to a second place, a leader of the chase pack, if you will, it's got to be the Millican Rams, right, Tyler? And you were the one who did the preview. You went out there and saw them. We all got to see some incredible individual talent during that spring season. But if you had to put one sentence on the Millican Rams season right now, what would it be? Basically, it's more of a question. It's like, are you ready to win? You know, because I think the Millican Rams, you know, we talked about how, how good Polly looks and how deep they are. I think Millican, though they do have some elite level national type recruits, uh, obviously the depth takes a little bit of time. It's year three under head coach Romeo Pelham, including a half year mixed in there um, during the spring. But they have the, the fixins going on, but they're a very young group. And have they learned how to win games? We saw... You know, some impressive wins. They had a very close win over Wilson. Um, they had kind of a lopsided win over Compton um, that we thought might have been a little bit of a closer game. And, and they have some big playmakers over there, but they also had some blowout losses. You know, they lost big to Poly, they lost big to LaSalle, um, and LaSalle is a, another great team um, in, in, um, in the Sunset League. And they also lost to Orange, another really good team as well. So we're not really sure where they're going to fall, right? You know, they've got uh, Ryan Pelham, who's a sophomore All-American as wide receiver, who has, you know, over 25 offers from tons of powerhouse programs. Um, you know, sophomore quarterback Miles Jackson transferred in. We saw him in a scrimmage, and he looked really good. Uh, he's another guy who's got offers as, as a 10th grader. And, you know, with, with certain guys like Takario Davis, Arizona commit, there's pieces, right? And we haven't seen the skill positions this talented in Milliken maybe ever, you know? I, honestly, they, they really are uh, a stacked group in a lot of ways. They've addressed some of their weaknesses uh, on the offensive line. They were thin. Um, and have they bulked up? Have they gotten more experience? And are they ready to close out games? They haven't been in a ton of those close games. And if they're trying to win playoff games late in the year, they have to show that as inexperienced football players, they can come through in crunch time. It'll be exciting, though. We know that there'll be a fun team to watch. Can, can I ask you guys a question? Do you think this sophomore class of football players in Long Beach is the best class that we've covered, like, going back to 2007, 2008? I, I would say yes, only because every single practice I went to, the coach was talking about sophomores. 
there were sophomores that needed to be put in our st- projected starting lineups, which you can find at the 562.org right now for all those teams. Uh, yeah, big sophomores, that class of 23, like that's a thing. People are talking about those kids. So if they're talking about those kids, then they must be good. You know what I mean? They're not going to throw them out there right. just to throw them out there. So, yeah, I think across the I'm board. I'm going to tweet it out. More, I'm going to tweet that out right now. Okay, yeah, go for it. <laughs> I'm sorry, I said 23. I'm at 24. Yeah. Yeah, class of 24, those sophomores uh, could be the, uh, yeah, the revamp of local football. Mike, I think you're right. I, and I'm really looking forward to seeing how they do over the next three years. But, yeah, I mean, Milliken's a great example of it just with those those two guys that I mentioned. But also on the defensive side of the ball, they got some sophomores who started as freshmen. Um, and, and it'll be interesting to see. I mean, they have a, a tough preseason schedule, but more manageable, I think, this year. You know, I think they were a little – they were punching a little bit out of their class in the, the low-sal game and, and maybe in the orange game as well. Um, but, you know, obviously you got to stay healthy – and you got to make sure you get those games in. But, you know, the, Milliken ending up in the right division, I mean, they're talking about making a CIF run. We saw it from the baseball team. You know, we, we saw the wrestling programs got, you know, to, to championships. And, uh, you know, we'll, we'll see if the Milliken magic continues. But it would not surprise me to see them make a very deep playoff run, whether or not they can make it a good game, you know, a closer game with Polly or, or, or fight for the more league title. I, I think... Coaches are starting to see beyond that, right? They're starting to see, like, yeah, of course they want to win the Moore League, but even if you don't, there's there's still a chance to win a ring. And I think Milliken definitely benefited from having those games in the spring so that they could get experience and be more ready to contribute now here in the fall of 21. Does Milliken have the most exciting, or maybe even the duo with the most potential at quarterback wide receiver this year? It's in the conversation. <laughs> you know what I mean? It has to be. I mean, we, we talked about... Um, Polly's two quarterbacks, you know, and, and they've certainly got some dynamic playmakers as well. Um, but, I mean, we, we, we saw what, uh, what Miles Jackson did in that scrimmage, and he's got the arm strength, and, and, you know, and Ryan Pelham is, you know, the best, as of rankings go, as far as in his class, the best wide receiver in the city. So, I mean, we'll, we'll, we'll see how that plays out. I mean, he's got speed and playmaking ability um, in special teams as well. So we just haven't seen it yet. We haven't seen them together yet. But on paper, it certainly looks good. Okay. Yeah. I mean, Milliken's skills might be better than Polly's skills, to be completely honest with you. Like, the top-end talent of Ryan Pelham and Takario Davis, like, I don't know the last time you would have said that about a Polly team. And, again, we're talking about a good Polly team, too. But they really are pushed by Milliken because you've got multiple Division One dudes out there, which just stretches you and puts stress on you in a different way. Well, they also have their top five wide receivers back and their running back back as a, as a senior, uh, Ajay Gravelli. So there's other pieces, too. It's not just, oh, they only have a couple guys, you know, and then defensively, uh, Jaden Hunt is another guy as a sophomore with offers. So, uh, I mean, Milliken's got a lot of things to be excited. If you're a Rams fan, be excited about this year and definitely get to some games. It'll be cool to watch. Well, you mentioned it, Tyler, that Milliken-Wilson game that kind of closed the spring season was maybe the most exciting most highlight-filled game that we covered last year. There were there were highlights for both teams from that game that we ended up putting in both of our preview videos for Milliken and Wilson. And yeah, that brings us to the Wilson Bruins, a new era under Scott Meyer. And that's what I think I, I would put as the one sentence, right? What will the Scott Meyer era be defined by? That that's that's the whole idea. When he comes in, is he changing a lot? Is he keeping things the same? You can look at something like the assistant coaches. He's basically keeping Jim Houston, the offensive coordinator, and most of his assistant coaches on staff there at Wilson, so not a lot changing, right? But then you look on the other side, and it's a, it's a rebuild a bit. You know what I mean? He's got less than 15 seniors 
on that roster over there at Wilson this year. And those seniors, not a lot of varsity experience. They haven't really gone through a full summer of preparing for a varsity football season because they got a spring during their junior year and they probably weren't on the team their sophomore year because Wilson was stacked with seniors when they were sophomores. So they really didn't get a sniff of that varsity football experience. So what, what is it going to be the definition? Is it going to be more of the same? Is he trying to going to keep that stuff similar? Or when we see Wilson out there against uh, you know, a Huntington Beach or a St. Anthony, you know, is it going to look like those games that we've covered in the past? Or is it going to look a little bit different? I, I think Scott Meyer is going to do a good job of keeping it simple his first year on the job. He's coached at Jordan. He's coached at Lakewood. He's coached in the Trinity League. He won CIF titles at Corona Del Mar. He knows what he's doing, right? He's obviously a legacy there at Wilson. And I think he knows that you can't come in and put everything in your first season, especially when you're dealing with a truncated offseason where, again, like I said, the guys who've got the most experience on his team have never done a varsity football summer. So he's trying to put in things slowly but surely. And I think that's what we're going to see from Wilson this year, a slow but sure build to their more league schedule. I think they're going to have a tough time against Huntington Beach. Huntington Beach went to Long Beach Poly and won that 7-on-7 competition that was hosted by the Los Angeles Chargers in July. Huntington Beach is real. You know what I mean? So we're going to find out a lot about Wilson early, but I don't think we're going to see the real Wilson until late in the season when they have time to implement stuff and maybe suss out their roster a little bit. Number one thing they've got going for them is their offense and specifically quarterback Xander McLaurin and running back John L. Gray. Those two guys were back there in the backfield during the spring, and they both had great moments. And they both looked better the longer the season got. So if you put those two things together, you could see Wilson getting better each and every week, which right now is what they need to build some momentum as they've got a new coach in there. Right. No, I think that's a great point. And, you know, with new coaches coming in, with the way the timeline was different this year, and, and Wilson had a very strange spring season playing Jordan twice, you know, had, had didn't play Polly, had games canceled. But, you, you know, it, it is good to start with having your quarterback back, right? That's a good piece to bring back. And McLaurin, it, you could tell he's just a... He's just a ball player, whether it's on the baseball diamond or, you know, on the football field. And so that's a good place to start. But, yeah, it, it, it's going to take some improvement. You know, that they could take their lumps early on in the season. But, uh, you know, it feels like they have the right guy in charge. And I think we could say that for a, a lot, maybe all the teams in the city. It feels like the circumstances might not be perfect, you know, because of how things have gone and the, the way the season stacked up. Right. But it does feel like good coaches are there. It's the right fit for what they're trying to do. And I think Scott Meyer is a great example of that. Like you said, a guy who knows what he's doing. Yeah, and then you've got Lakewood in a very similar situation where you think you've got the right guy in there, right? You've got to feel good about having the, the guy that they've got right there. Right yeah, now. Scott Meyer was at Lakewood for the last two years. He moves to Wilson. That opens up the Lakewood job. And then in steps, a guy we know. And a guy Lakewood knows too. And that's Justin Utupo who played at Lakewood when Thad McNeil was leading the Lakewood Lancers to back-to-back CIF semifinals, like we just mentioned when we were talking about Polly and Lakewood in that Moore League Super Bowl. So Utupo knows what it looks like when Paul, when Lakewood is really good and challenging Polly. And obviously that means on and off the field. So the one sentence that I would put on Lakewood as kind of a preview sentence is... Is Lakewood back, question mark? Because, Mike, you said Polly's back. And I think that's going to be the question for Lakewood is when they step on the field, does it look like the teams that have lined up for six different head coaches over the last decade? That means six different types of teams. 
You had the Mike Christensen, hand the ball to Sebastian Kronberger, get out of the way teams. You had the Jimmy Nolan, we're going to throw the ball 500 times every game teams. <laughs> so Lakewood really hasn't had a identity from year to year as much as maybe some other programs locally have. So what is the identity that Lakewood has? And obviously, Otupo wants that identity and that culture to be like it was when Coach Mack was at Lakewood, when they were successful and challenging in the Moore League. And that means on and off the field, too. The first thing we asked Coach Otupo when we interviewed him on this very show a few weeks ago was about what he wants his program to look like, and that's his answer. He was like, I want us involved in the community. They like walked across the street and helped somebody move the other day. You know what I mean? <laughs> I like, that, yeah, yeah he, wants, he wants that stuff. He wants kids responsible in the classroom. You know what I mean? Dylan Foster, um, yeah, Dylan Foster is a great example of what they want over there. You know what I mean? A kid who's a multi-year uh, varsity player. He's good in the classroom. He's good with his teammates. He was at our photo shoot. He was good with us answering questions. Like That's the type of kid that they want at that program, and that's the type of continuity they want at that program. He's also got some great assistant coaches a few of whom are also Lakewood alums. Mm -hmm. So it's not like they're trying to create something they've never seen before. They're trying to recreate something they know is possible. Right, and another another guy who kind of came in late, you know, towards the start of the season. So having to turn some things around quickly. Obviously, you mentioned they had the, the shutdown on campus, not related specifically to the program, but they couldn't practice. They're also waiting for their field to be finished, which also got delayed and is hopefully going to be done in time for the start of playoffs. And you mentioned playoffs. It's like, I love the sort of triangulation between those coaches, you know, because Pelham at Milliken took over for Utsupo, and then Utsupo is taking over for Meyer, who went to Wilson. So, And all those three guys are going to be fighting potentially for a playoff spot or, you know, second, you know, we expect them to be in the top half of the league. So it'll be super interesting to, to see how that will all play out. Um, and it's a, it's a challenge, I would say taking over so late ahead of when the season's going to start. So they are going to have to try to install things quickly and hopefully they can pick it up. And, and Lakewood did struggle during the shortened spring season. So what can, what can Utsupo do? But he's a guy that's shown when he comes in, he's a very motivating coach. He's a younger guy. He can really get the kids going. And uh, we think that they have pieces there and talent at Lakewood that he can win with. But how, how quickly can it come together? Well, there's only one way to find out. I, I will tell you this. If you are looking for a player to watch that you don't see coming or, or wasn't aware of or whatever. I think I, I, think I know who you're going to say. And you better turn your neck and make sure you know he's coming. <laughs> yeah, really. <laughs> it's Travis Perriman. Yeah. Uh, he is a three-year starter at linebacker and all more league linebacker. Uh, he is a strong kid. He is a, this, this is the best way to explain Travis Perriman. And it makes no sense to anybody else other than me. When I was playing high school football, my defensive coordinator used to say, I want some mean cusses out there. He would, we'd be like watching film. And he'd JJ, be like, JJ grew up in West Virginia. You see this guy? You see this guy? He's a mean cuss. I don't know what that means, but if you ask me what Travis Fairman is, he's a mean cuss, dude. Right. <laughs> yeah, maybe in, if we had to translate it, if you just take the S part off, the, then, then it would make sense to our long Yeah, for sure. <laughs> sure, 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 sure. But yeah, he'll be a good one to watch. That, that Red Swarm defense that was so good back in the day might, might be back, man. They got, they got some dudes over there Lakewood and they also have some dudes at Compton which has us excited because we really enjoy working with head coach Calvin Bryant and seeing him work through all of the challenges that they have over there at Compton to get that program back to where it was when once again when Mike and I first started working it was also Compton 
challenging Polly for that more league title. One of the first games we went to was a Polly game at Compton that I will absolutely never forget because uh, it's still to this day one of the most intense atmospheres we've ever been a part of. But yeah, Compton is displaced from its campus. They are doing a full on campus rebuild. That construction has shut down everything. So they literally moved Compton High School to Roosevelt Middle School just down the street. So that means that the Football team is practicing on a middle school field, which obviously isn't lined up. And you know what I mean? I don't know if those uprights are uh, are regulation uprights. I'm not sure. But the reason why everybody's so excited about Compton is because they've got the big boys back up front. They've got some Polynesian players back on the offensive and defensive line. They've got good running backs coming back, like Deion Johnson, who had a breakout spring season. And those performances that they had in the spring at Wilson, at Milliken, against Lakewood, those are the games that have everybody saying, mm, do not sleep on Compton, because at your own peril, if you're not ready for that double win, if you're not ready to follow Deion Johnson wherever he goes on every single play, they will catch you, because they almost caught Wilson in the first game of that spring season. Do you think uh, the O-line looks bigger because they're on a smaller campus, so that there's the relation to the buildings in the field? <laughs> yeah, everything look yeah, better, everything you know? looks bigger? No, I look bigger because they're in a smaller league than they... <laughs> you know, I mean, yeah, but they, they were so impressive last year, and all those guys are back for this year. That that would be... I would honestly say, after we talk about Polly and Milliken, obviously have so much talent, Compton's probably the team I'm most excited to see after those two. For the reasons JJ just said, like they're a matchup nightmare, and especially when you throw in big mobile linemen, it's tough for a lot of teams in the league to match up with that. You know, I mean, it really is like there's no no brainers over Compton the way there used to be, um, other than probably Polly, but even Milliken. I mean, that's a fight. You know, that's a fight up front with the with the size that they have. Well, and and that can neutralize the, kind of their strength. You know, we talked about the skill positions for Milliken, but you know, I mean. <laughs> you know, all respect to the, the, the defensive backs at Milliken. I don't think they want to be sticking their nose in against 330-pound I don't. No, I, yeah, I'm not judging anybody. You know what I mean? I don't want any of that smoke either. But, yeah, I mean, if, if you've got experienced linemen as well to go with their mobility and their size, if that's a well-oiled machine in the double wing, that also shortens the game. You know, it, it could just really make anything happen. And, and we know Callie B is a great coach and a program builder. So I, I think that's a good, good point that, you know, Compton is one to watch. You know, that they're going to have the, you know, <laughs> where they're going to be roaming around kind of looking for a home field. They're always going to feel like they're on the road, but they'll bring the action to you. You know what I mean? They're not going to be scared of anybody, and they're going to go out and do their thing, and, and you better be ready to stop it. Just like us, learn how to say this name. Ava Leo Maiva. Ava Lilo Maiva. Okay, Tyler. That's not, you, that's not do you want to take a try? You want to no. take a try, too? Ava Lilo Maiva. There we go. All right. Now we all, we all got it down, right? We all ready? Watch out for this kid. He got scholarship offers from Utah and New Mexico State as a sophomore. So he's coming in as his junior season, ready to go at linebacker. And they're also going to line him up at quarterback because if you see this kid, you can assume he's going to be tough to bring down. And in that double wing formation, the quarterback will carry the ball. And he can pretty much line up wherever he wants to, wherever they want to line him up to get him the ball as much as possible. On defense, just got a great nose and a great leader, right? First thing I noticed when I was out there is like, okay, so he's the star. Dion's the star. These two kids are, are a big deal, right? They're messing around and having fun, but then they get serious when they're on the field. And then when they're off the field, they take their helmet off, they're smiling, they're having a good time. And then they're serious. To be able to turn that on and off is something that hampers a lot of high school athletes, not just in football. You know what I mean? You're a kid. You're out there to have fun. That's why they call it sports, not a job. So now 
when you have that, can you translate that joy, that intensity that we've seen so many times for Compton football? Can you translate that into wins and getting those close games to go your way and not somebody else's way? That is, that's the number one thing. So we'll have to wait and see there. Just like we're going to have to wait to see if Jordan really does have the guys coming back that we think they do to also challenge in games like that against Compton. Yeah, I think my uh, my sentence for Jordan is the beef is back, <laughs> you know, in the north side. Um, Jordan has had some skill guys over the last few years. Obviously, you go back to John Ross, one of the best skill guys that we've ever seen in the Moore League. Um, but what they have not had is the guys up front. And last year we saw we liked Elijah Jones, who's back this year as a four-year starter at receiver DB. We love the running back Jordan Washington, who re- looked really good as a freshman last year. He's got legit track speed. Um, and is shifty with the ball in his hand as well. But the question is, can anyone block for these guys? Can you hold up against a Polly or, frankly, even a Compton, you know, the size of the line that they're going to have to deal with? And this year, that Jordan offensive line is about 300 pounds average across offense and defense. They have uh, a transfer from Samoa, uh, Sione Felemi, who is six foot three, 330 pounds. Um, they have guys up front, and that's what's got head coach Tim Wedlow just super, super excited for this season. They were one of those teams who had a really weird spring. They only yeah. played three games. Two of them were against Wilson in back-to-back weeks. So they don't really feel like they got a full you know, season experience, and they're really fired up for this year. Yeah, and I think they should be excited. You know, It looks like things are going to be hopefully a little bit more stable, and I know that there was a lot of kind of unexpected things that popped up for Jordan and, you know, with the lower numbers that kind of impacted them. But yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm excited to see if they can, you know, take a, a tick upward a little bit this year with a little bit more depth on the line to, to give some opportunities for those skill guys to break through. Um, and, and another, you know, team with question marks that obviously had plenty of challenges last year, uh, the Cabrillo Jaguars. And I'll, I'll say for them, you know, can we get through 10? That's the, that's the question, you know, because you have to look at it and be really honest. You know, they were unable to field a team last year due to numbers, you know, and all the complications that went uh, with COVID-19 shutting everything down. Shane Gonzalez was the head coach, was hired before the season, unable to, to field a team, but was still working with a core group of guys that's, that was, you know, at one point kind of eight dedicated players that would show up to practice and, you know, get the conditioning in and try to, you know, keep the program together. It has now grown up to 25 in the program. And, and he knows, you know, when we, when I was talking to him for the preview, he knows the plan is to try to get the kids out there and play a full season and get through the 10 games and then build from there. They're a young team. They've only got four seniors on the roster. They've only got one kid with previous varsity experience. So flat out, it's going to be a challenge on the West side. But, you know, the kids are trying. You know, <laughs> Coach Gonzalez is trying. And, you know, they're going to go out there. I think they have a manageable preseason schedule against teams that aren't going to necessarily blow them out of the water. So, uh, you know, we'll see if they can get things started back up over at Cabrillo. And, um, you know, it'll be it'll be interesting to watch kind of week to week. Uh, conditioning is obviously going to be important for them. And uh, we'll see how they can uh, how they can fare over there on the West. Yeah, because the entire league wants Cabrillo to play all 10. 100%, yeah. Because we don't know how the playoffs are going to shake out. And sometimes the playoff seeds and the playoff amount of teams that comes out of your league does depend on how many teams are in your league. So Cabrillo being in the league and playing games makes it possible for more, more league teams to make the playoffs. I think it's also important to note that just coming off that spring where so many teams in a six-week season got four games or three games or no games, 
I, I think everyone, no one wants to create that week eight buy, right? Like everyone wants every game that they can get. The Jordan kids are would love to play, the Compton kids would love to play Cabrillo. So I think that's part of it too. It's just, as Tyler mentioned, it has to be done safely given the size of their roster, given that, you know, and this is nothing against them in particular, I've never covered a high school football team that had zero injuries all year, right? right. Like these things are going to happen and they're going to have to find a way to bring in new players, you know, from students that are on campus, et cetera. Um, in order to make that thing go. But I, I just want to tip my cap to Shane. I mean, that is a thankless job. Um, you know, when I, I talked to him after he'd gotten the job and he got hired and then didn't get to talk to any of his players for like two months, you know? I mean, it's really, really hard to operate in those circumstances. And the fact that you bounce back from, we couldn't play last year to, you're talking to Tyler for the preview and you're looking at this season is really impressive in and of itself. Um, we talk about this all the time with programs like the Compton girls basketball team. I know that's not the headline. This is, you know, career football is not gonna be at the top of the 562.org, right? And we're not having people beat down our doors for, if you don't do every career football video, I'm gonna go crazy. But we as writers who genuinely care about the community always want to take the time out to single those coaches out because they really are standing between these kids and like nothingness, you know, right. no experience. Um, oh, I have to transfer to some other high school. Like, it's a huge deal to get a program from not existing to existing, and that's really all fallen on his shoulders, and I think he deserves a lot of credit for that. Speaking of head coaches, and we're going to wrap it up with the St. Anthony Saints, who have a new head coach, but a guy we know pretty well. It's Raul Lara from Long Beach Poly, from Warren. Uh, when, again, we're going to keep going back to this, but when we first started covering football, like Raul Lara was one of the first guys who opened up the gates and was just like, yeah, you've never done this before, but you... Well, I trust you. And we came in, and we earned that trust. And he's the type of guy who really cares and takes care of his kids. And we've seen that at Polly. We've seen it at Warren. And we're seeing it at St. Anthony. And the St. Anthony Saints are lucky to have him. They are. And, um, you know, we love Mario Morales, who he took over from. Was very successful there. Won a CIF championship. But, um, you know, Raul Lara, you know, for my money, I, I put him up there as the best high school football coach that I've been around. Um, I think now that you've seen the private schools take over Southern California, you understand how special it was that the guy won five Division One championships at Long Beach Poly, right? I mean, since he left, they got to the semifinals uh, the next year with Antonio Pierce. They have not sniffed that in Division One since then. So um, he, he deserves a lot of credit. He's not looking to build St. Anthony into Long Beach Poly. I mean, he's up, very upfront about that. He says it's a little weirder being at St. Anthony versus Warren because he's two miles, Clark Field's two miles away from Betts, and the school is two miles away from Poly. <laughs> so, like, he's in that shadow. He understands the stark difference between those programs, um, but he is looking to improve them. I would just share one anecdote from practice that a parent told me. It's a four year parent uh, who came to me and said, and he liked Mario Morales, there's nothing against him, but he said, you know, I came out to our first day in pads and um, I was remarking to my wife that I'd never seen a kid throw up here on their first day of practice in pads. And basically the entire team was throwing up wow. for their first day of practice under Raul Lara. And I thought for those of us who are around high school football practices a lot, I thought that was a funny benchmark because sure. it is certainly a moment 
And uh, that was his way of quantifying it. We'll get to see on the field what that actual difference looks like next week because they, along with Jordan, have a Thursday night football game. So they'll actually be out there a day before the rest of the city starts. Yeah, I've, I've, I've thrown up at uh, more than one football practice in my day. I'm not, I'm not, ashamed, <laughs> I'm not ashamed to say it. For sure. But, but an interesting well, my little brother who was on the freshman football team with you did, I believe, have eggs for breakfast. <laughs> <laughs> like we're not a football family wrong call <laughs> yeah. we didn't really know you know any of this stuff my mom i think was like you're gonna need a lot of energy today here's a big plate of protein <laughs> that was a bit may have been a bit of a breakdown uh i don't it didn't matter what i had for lunch it was coming up maybe but uh another th- interesting thing for saint anthony is obviously they've got the renovation plans for clark field so they will be moving around and a little nomadic in the same way that Compton will be playing at St. Pius Matthias and St. Paul. And Lakewood. Lakewood's still, you right, know what I mean? Right, like, yeah. Yeah, we got, yeah, we're going to need to put out schedules. And you guys are going to need to check those schedules because the location and time, TBA. Half cameras will travel. <laughs> the most important thing you can do is make sure you're following the 562 on Twitter, on Instagram, and like them on Facebook. Like us on Facebook if you're there. Be sure you check out the 562.org on Friday because we will have previews of all of those teams. And be sure you're going to the 562.org and you're clicking subscribe. This is our 14th high school football season, and we don't want it to be our last one. But that's going to require more support from our readers. Currently less than 1% of readers at the 562.org support us financially in one form or another. We're a nonprofit. We're just like PBS. The only way we make it is with your support. So please make sure we're here to keep covering these kids for years and years to come. Go to the 562.org and click subscribe. Thank you to all of our sponsors, including Ocean Law Center and obviously Naples Rib Company. And listen to Vincent Garnabasio. Go to Naples Rib Company and get some cornbread and possibly some ice cream. Mix in some meat in there too. I don't, I don't know. I like maybe the sausage. I don't know. Maybe that's just me. But yeah, if you want to help the 562.org, there are many ways to do so because helping the 562.org is helping Long Beach, its schools, and our community at large. We're going to have another episode of What Up Long Beach right here next week. So come back, listen, get interaction with the show, and we will see you in the stands very soon.